Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we get to our episode with legendary goalkeeper coach Franz Hook, just wanted to give a quick shout out to insider Riker Falf, who wrote this review on iTunes. It goes five stars, so good. I've really loved this podcast. You need to listen to it. It's so good. It helps your knowledge about goalkeeping with a very good sense of humor and all the information is correct, exclamation point. I love it. 100 emoji, glove emoji, soccer emoji, happy emoji, clapping emoji, literally every emoji. Thanks, Riker. And if you want to be shouted out on the podcast, all you got to do is leave a review on iTunes. It literally takes 10 seconds. If you don't have an iPhone, borrow your friend's iPhone. It's just that easy. Thanks again for all your support and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid. With me is 99 World Cup winner Saskia Weber. Omar Zini, you know him as Pro GK Academy. And usually Saskia's introduction would be the, the most big time of everybody. But, <laughs> but today, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, if, you uh, if you don't know this name, you have not even been involved in the goalkeeping community, even in a casual manner. I think you all have heard this name before. We have legendary goalkeeper coach, Manchester United. Barcelona, the Netherlands national team, uh, the one and only Franz Hoek is joining us today. And Franz, did I pronounce the last name properly that way? Was that a... a Nobody a does in the whole world, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but what is, the, best, the best pronunciation is like Dr. Hook, so Hook. H-O-O-K, that's how you pronounce it. Oh, okay, that's good to know. Okay, well, I'm going to do it one more time then. The one and only... <laughs> the one and only Franz Hook. Did I... Is that better? There we go. Oh, I think Kostya can pronounce it very yeah, well. Yeah, and, and you're the one, only one that pronounces my name correctly. You're Americans, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Saskia gets, what, what do you get? You get Serena, Selena. No, it's, 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 it sounds like Saskia. He's pronouncing it correctly. Everybody in America says Saskia. Okay. Oh, how, and you're supposed to say, how are you pronouncing it? Like, it sounds like a U, not an A. So. Saskia. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I've been pronouncing it right now. I feel everybody awful. does. That's why my brother's the only one that calls me Susk as a nickname. Everybody else calls me Sask. So I just let it go. <laughs> I say it too. <laughs> at this point. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I say it. I say it at this point too. So yeah, they sometimes say Franz with a Z, and we know that's <laughs> German, and we know the Dutch and the German is always. Yeah, but you don't mix that one up. But it's okay, as long as they understand what we are saying. Okay. Oh, my God. Well, no, no, we're, we're just so excited that you're on here, honestly. I mean, we could, we could be on with you for, for hours. I mean, you know, personally, first time I, I met you, Franz, um, was in um, actually Southern California at Real SoCal, so Southern Cal South Club. And you came in for a week when I was the goalkeeping director. And you came in for a week and you ran a, a, a program there um, in regards to, it wasn't necessarily about goalkeeping. It was actually just a concept. Eh? Yes, 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 yes. And it was with the, with the Zemer brothers. The Zemer brothers were down there as well too um, from, uh, from Santa Rosa up, up in Northern California. And it was actually a fantastic experience just to see um, you brought in a, a coach, I, I believe from uh, FC Porto, uh, a youth coach from over there. I mean, it was, well, let me say this, that was, his name is Pepijn Leinders, and he is now the assistant coach of Liverpool. Oh my gosh, okay, wow. Wow. Man. Yeah. And you just never know who you're talking to sometimes. Well, <laughs> no, that's why, it's correctly what you say, 
what I did is he was working in the under nine of PSV. And like a friend of mine from Porto called me and he said, you know, I want a, a, a coach here for skills. And, I, and he, he named somebody and I said, hey, I think I have somebody that is maybe more appropriate for you guys. So what I would do is bring him in for like two weeks and see what you think of it. And that was Pepin. So he went to Porto basically on a try, was there for like, you know, two weeks and they signed him. He was there for like four or five years. And then he moved on to Liverpool and he's like the assistant coach now from Klopp. He's the right hand. That's, that's, that's unbelievable. See, Omar, you should have uh, not gone to the LA Galaxy Academy. You should have come to Real SoCal. <laughs> no, no, the other thing is, which is nice, and I like that, um, just uh, what Saskia said was she spoke about Serena Wiegman. Serena Wiegman is the coach of the national team, and I also brought Serena over. She didn't come to you guys, so she was up in, uh, in Northern California. So we really had, like, very talented coaches over the years yeah. that – came with us to California, actually, to help the game as much as they could. And they are really, they ended up in big teams, actually, all over Europe, which is yeah, nice. And Serena, like, played, Serena played at UNC. Also, correct. She played, she played by Anson. Correct. Now, now I remember that uh, one of the things that really struck me about in regards to the whole program was, and it was very groundbreaking at the time for me, and, and I know we're going a little bit off, off the topic here, but I just kind of want to reminisce here. With your youngers program, you focused on positioning and understanding the role in regards to linking with the with the team for the goalkeeper more so than how to handle a shot from a technical standpoint. And at the time, it was very groundbreaking for me because in North America, at least, you know, a lot of traditional goalkeeper training had been all about, you know, clean handling, moving your feet, you know, clean technique at that age but they never really focused on the goalkeeper in regards to where they were in, in regards to the rest of the team and understanding how to defend the different areas of the game. So that, that to me, was revolutionary that you guys were, were focusing on that, at, you know, at those younger ages. Yeah, and basically that is strange. <laughs> Why is it strange? And that's, I will say a little bit more about it later on. I think that um, coaching goalkeeping went into an isolated situation instead of an integrated situation. And why, to be very clear, I did, I did everything. I made all the mistakes you can imagine in the whole world. Uh, and I tried out everything. And I did exactly the same what you said now in isolation, but pretty quick in, um, in uh, integrated. What you see is the isolated practice, every goalkeeper can basically do that by themselves. If you want to learn them the basics of catching, falling, and whatever it is, and, and I work on that as well, make a very simple, clear homework program uh, so they do learn how to catch, how to fall, how to kick, all that thing. But you and I know, uh, everybody here, I think, it's a matter of repetition and doing the right thing. So in the beginning, and now I speak, you know, maybe about 10 till 12, because another item is when do you start goalkeeping? And when do you start with a fixed uh, position? That's, a, that's an interesting discussion. But let I say somewhere between 10 and 12, we know it's very easy to learn new movements. And they also have so much energy that that's the best way, the best time to do it anyway. So, and I tested it out. I gave them homework programs. For example, you talked about Victor Valdez a little bit. When I came to Barcelona, actually, Victor was 16, which is already pretty old 
it's young, but it's old for, for uh, uh, skills. But, uh, and I said to them, and it was Victor and Pepe Reina, both, same age group. And I said to them, guys, if you look at the first team of Barcelona, what is important? Yeah, important is the pass back. Okay, what do you need to do with the pass back? So they said, and I said, hey, do you need to be right and left footed? Yes. Are you right and left footed? No, you're only right footed. Okay. So this year, we are going to work on your left foot, which means not only that, but also that. And they were so driven and so eager, and they were both very good. So they were pushing each other. They were in the Masia. So they were working out every day, 750 left, 250 right footed. And at the end of the season, they were capable of right and left almost the same. And the funny thing was 16 is already old. You need a really big drive to go out every day to improve. And the drive was so big that they did it. Anyway, going back to what you said, teaching the game is much more difficult than teaching techniques. Because to teach the game, you have to understand the game. And my background is, I've been playing out on the field. And finally, I started to play in goal because I could finance my study for being a goalkeeper. So really? That's wow. Is, my understanding always has been <clears throat> from player to goalkeeper. And, and goalkeeping was easy for me because I was a black band in judo. I was a black tie in judo. So I could dive. I was not afraid. I went in front of everybody. So when I was in goal, it always looked spectacular. So, the, oh, that's good. It was not good, but it looked good. <laughs> that's why they thought it. So, but that's really the background. So what I found out is, and, and, and Saskia knows that as well, you guys, the goalkeepers are better when they are older. Correct? Yes. Because they know the game. Well, they, but that's the reason. Because physically, they are less. When you have been 23, you start <laughs> to build already back. And the most say, oh, I'm stronger than ever. No. You think you are stronger and you feel stronger, but you're not. But because of understanding the game, you became better. And I will try to understanding the game to an earlier age by integrated practices. And this means that you can be better at a younger age, like Victor Valdez, like Pepe Reina, mm -hmm. like Edwin van der Sar. Why? <clears throat> they knew the game. I only didn't know how they would perform for 100,000 people. But I was not afraid that they didn't understand the game. Because if you work like Barcelona or Ajax, you work with the best players in the world. So if you do like five against five, four against four, or six against six, you have the best players on the other side. And if you do wrong things, they all go into the net. So it's a very natural way of doing that. But it's, it's difficult, actually. And that's why a lot of people push away from that. You know, I, I think that's one of the really one of the wonderful reasons that we wanted to have you on the podcast because you were one of those first goalkeeper coaches to kind of go against the traditional and challenge the belief system of what is goalkeeper training and what we should focus on. And and so I want to talk a little bit in regards to the hook method, in regards to the mental aspect and also understanding the different types of goalkeepers and why was that so revolutionary back then when you started it and why was there so much pushback well um first of all when i started actually in holland um, i started to make a thesis on goalkeeping when i was still playing and and i finished my thesis in 75 i was 19 years of age which is very young and when i made the thesis i needed like books and stuff like that and i couldn't find anything there was nothing so that was interesting because 
because there was nothing, I had to make up stuff. So I need to find a way, how can I get knowledge about goalkeeping? So I started to read many interviews in which goalkeepers were mentioned. I started to go to the newspaper because I played already for professionals, so they were helpful. I got like boxes with pictures. I put the pictures out in, in the room of my parents to see other similarities and stuff like that. Finishing that up, my, my teacher on school said, you have to make it a book. You know, there's nothing. It's, and I said, a book? I'm 19 years of age. You know, I don't know anything about this. And, and I played professional, but there was no goalkeeper coaching. Anyway, it became a book. And uh, when the book came out, there was all kinds of asking people, me, to do demos. But I said, listen, I'm a goalkeeper. I never coached a goalkeeper in my life. And I've never coached myself. So it was like an interesting start. 85, so I did teach. But listen, I had no experience, whatever, in the real game as being a coach. 85, I had an injury and uh, Cruyff was in his first year of Ajax. I played against him the year before and he said, wow, I read your book. I like your book. And I thought, okay, the big Johan Cruyff, who, was, who still is God, but he was then already. And I said, okay, thank you very much. Anyway... When I had to finish because of my knee, he was the first coach at Ajax and he called me and I thought, well, this must be a joke, you know, Cruyff, but it was not a joke. So he asked me to join him and I said, okay. And he said, how are you going to do it? I said, I don't know because I've never done it. I have my coaching license. I have a master's degree, but now I start really to coach anyway. So we played very attractive and very attacking. So we had like, our defense on the midfield, and we had in the goal Stanley Menzo. I was just going to say, oh. Stanley Menzo. Stanley. Mm -hmm. So, Stanley was there, <laughs> and, I started, and I saw a few games, and I, I started to practice, and after, and what I did was, because, you know, Ajax had like Frank Rijkaard, uh, Marco van Basten, Ronald Koeman, big players I played against, but, you know, telling them what to do was a different story. So, in the beginning, I stayed away from the team as far as I could <laughs> to feel myself comfortable in playing with the goalkeeper. So after a few weeks, Johan said, well, you know, France is going well, eh? they like it. And I said, Johan, I don't think I do a good job. He said, what do you mean? I said, if I look at the games and I see Stanley play, Stanley comes out when he should stay. He stays when he should come out in the one versus one. He is on the ground all the time. I said, but, you know, I cannot practice that. He said, what do you need to practice it? I said, I need players to practice it. He said, okay. He said, Thursday, you have the whole team. And I thought, Jesus Christ. <laughs> because you understand, that was a big problem. Because now I knew if I screw this up, it's end of the story. So I have been not sleeping the whole week. You understand that. But I was used to prepare for teams because I was, I was a coach as well. Anyway, so I made, you know, a whole program based on what I've seen in the game. And I knew I had to make it attractive for the players as well. Mm -hmm. So I made a practice there and I started to explain the players. Okay, guys, listen, this is what's going on. This is what we have seen in the game. And I, I brought actually the defenders in, Kuman and, and um, uh, Ronald Spelbos. Um, and I said, what do you think? Well, you know, he comes when he wants to stay. Okay, so how can we improve that? Well, by doing it. Okay, and that's what we are going to practice today. So that was my start actually integrated in the team. And I did it like, you know, half an hour. 
And after that, Johan said, fantastic, you have them every Thursday. And I said, I thought, okay, this is the <laughs> beginning. But that said to me, mm -hmm. he, you know, he liked it, he found it. And then the transition to the game was incredibly. So instead of, well, Saskia, you said it yourself, instead of having the game as, as the only practice, mm -hmm. because in the game he had like two, three through passes, now in the practice, we could give him 20 through passes with defenders, with attackers. So he needed to make every time the decision. And he made wrong decisions. No problem. Because in the end, you have to make less wrong decisions. So for me, that was a start that you have to work integrated. And every coach I worked with afterwards, I explained it. We worked together. And everybody understood it and was always very cooperative. So from, let I say, isolation, because in the U.S. already then, there were camps, Saskia, geometric yeah. and so on. Mm -hmm. And they did a great job. But, and, and the same when Saskia came to Holland, to me, it was basically isolation, mm -hmm. which was okay at the moment. But going, going at the team level, there has to be an integration. And of course you sometimes have to work isolated. You have to, to improve a certain technique, to improve something that is needed. But more and more, you know, integration is very important. And isolation, you can always do that. Before you go and work with the team, after you go and work in the team, you even can say, I come one time more. But you know, you have to do, and I think that's our obligation, we have to coach our players, our goalkeepers, the best way possible and not what makes us feel comfortable, okay? I needed to go out of my comfort zone all the time because comfortable is two, three goalkeepers on the side, do your thing, go home. That's comfortable. And the goalkeepers will like it. Oh, I love it. Nice practice. I feel good. But the question is, but exactly what you say, what everybody does at this moment is the goalkeeping coaches mainly, I think, I believe, this is my way, this is how I did it. So, and then you can see on YouTube, in books, so much stuff. But everybody is doing that from their perspective. And what I try to do now is create references, and the biggest reference is the game, and from the references, develop material. Okay, and nobody can be against the game. I mean, we all love the game, but you know, it went into a lot of other directions at the moment. But that, that's one of the things that, and, and, and I'm, you know, we, we've discussed this on the podcast ourselves. And by the way, this is probably the most quiet you're ever going to hear Omar <laughs> on, on the podcast. He's just taking notes. Andy, I have I'm my notes, I have my notes ready already. I'm sitting, I'm like, <laughs> but, but I, I think, you know, when we discussed it on this podcast before, is I think. There's two reasons why a lot of goalkeeper coaches train in isolation. One is it's easier, and you're talking about the comfortability standpoint in regards to, well, I don't have to bother the team coach. I don't need to get players. I don't need to put together sessions that are um, more game realistic. Um, and I think the second one is a lot of goalkeeper coaches, including myself as, as, as a young goalkeeper coach, didn't understand the game to the level that I needed to in order to be a proper goalkeeper coach. You know, and, and one of the things that you've really brought up is that the goalkeeper coach really should be an assistant coach, not just a Correct. goalkeeper coach. Correct. 
So yeah, completely right. Eh? To be very honest, when I started like, you know, in like 1980 or something like that to do the camps, what I wanted then is because there was no attention for goalkeepers because there were almost no goalkeeper coaches. You know, it was normally the head coach or the assistant coach shooting some balls and that was mm -hmm. it. But I think, okay, uh, so many people want something. The interest is there. So create interest. I think we are now like 2020. So it's 40 years on the road. I think the interest is there. There is one other problem. It's not only the interest, everybody is doing it their way. And if it's very successful, I will not say anything. But if it's not so successful or you can improve more, then you have to ask yourself, okay, what's going to happen? We all know, you're right, the head coach says, I don't know anything about goalkeeping, I have a goalkeeper coach. So they do this. So the first problem is the coaches need to know more about goalkeeping. Why? In the end, they are decisive in playing a goalkeeper, yes or no. The most beautiful example is, of course, Holland 74, which is like, you know, be, be, uh, ages ago. But the goalkeeper that was playing there was not the best goalkeeper defensively, but he was the best goalkeeper in the way of playing. If I now translate that to Manchester City, and listen, I know Pep, I know Cruyff, I know Michels that I just showed you the book. I was a, I was a child of the development of the goalkeeper of today by, by luck. Because, you know, when Holland played in 74, I was like 14, 15 years of age. So I have been subconscious a part of that development. If I look now to Pep Guardiola and we see how important the goalkeeper is in the way of playing of City, how important it was in Bayern München when we were there, when Pep was there, how important it was in Barcelona, and we speak, of course, also about Valdez, then you can see there's a big translation and transfer because Pep knows what kind of goalkeeper he wants. Right. And this means, first, go and work on the, on the coaches, that they have more understanding. But the second is the goalkeeper coaches, as you said, I think they should not be isolated. They first should know the game, which means try to get a regular coach's license. From the coach's license, you go to a specialization. And actually, we do that now in Europe already. I'm also on the UEFA board. So we make courses for goalkeeper coaches, but they need to have a regular coach diploma and coach license. So you, but you understand it's completely different than what we are used to. So this means we need to change the competences that the goalkeeper coach needs to have to be the best possible goalkeeper coach he can be. And again, it has not been bad that we have gone through the whole history with individual practicing, with one goalkeeper coach working for 10 teams, with one goalkeeper coach working for whatever. But now it's time there should be a goalkeeper coach actually with every team. No, I mean, I mean, no, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I think one of the issues in Franz, I have a question for you in regards to this is that, and we, we discussed this on the show, Saskia is obviously in the same boat. Um, you know, Omar has worked at the youth club level now, obviously working, you know, at the, at the college level, it's a little bit of a different story, but 
the from a budget standpoint, clubs don't want to spend the money. Okay, hold on immediately. So don't search for problems. Search for solutions. What I say is, if I'm a goalkeeper coach, but I'm an assistant coach with a specialization. So now you as a club needs to choose head coach, assistant coach with nothing, assistant coach with specialization goalkeeping. Who do you take? Assistant coach with specialization goalkeeping. So we need to make it difficult on everybody within that club. And of course, probably, you know, there was like a question in another podcast and they say, how long will it take? I said 20 years. To make this change, it will take 20 years because... When I started to be like the specialist, everybody said, yeah, but we have no budget for the goalkeeper coach. Everybody has a goalkeeper coach now, correct? Yes. And what I did throughout my career, I became the special, I was like an assistant coach, specialized on goalkeeping, but I'm also specialized in the set pieces. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to do the set pieces. But it's more than 50% winning or losing in the last World Cup. So... If you improve that, and listen, there's not even one course. I gave the first course worldwide, you know, the last season in Holland, and we did like 20 sessions on set pieces. Let's be honest. Nobody wants to do it because, you know, it's pretty complicated, to be honest. It's even more complicated than the game. But if you, if you can't do a course or if you can't do something to improve, gone. So now, when I went with whatever coach, they said, hey, the first one I want with me is Franz because he's an assistant, specialized in goalkeeping and specialized in set pieces. Mm -hmm. Because the head coaches don't want to do that. They don't like that. And to be honest, if you start playing football, you don't start playing football to take a corner kick. You start to play because you want to play. <laughs> so I understand that. But we have, to, we have to get our position in this world. And you don't get, get it like a present. You have to really work for it and convince people so it will take time don't look for the problems only give the solutions and and that makes our job so beautiful i, I love what you said in regards to the set, set pieces because uh we had last week we had a um a uh, a system specialist a tactical specialist from the athletic you know the, the athletic uh, on last week and and we started bringing up set pieces and in regards to the understanding of uh, how the goalkeeper works in, in a different system of play based on the set pieces and, and all that. And he said, he's like, I'll be honest with you. He's like, that's a great question. He's like, that's something I'm not even familiar with. And if somebody who's at a tactician type level, who's, who's working with the athletic still doesn't understand how to, how the goalkeeper relates to, to putting together the set pieces and how to, you know, strategize about that, then, then we still have a long ways to go uh in in regards to that so if you can i mean just personally i don't know selfishly if, if you all want to know more a little bit about the set piece specialization because i feel like a lot of goalkeeper coaches out there should should put their emphasis on that well you know sometimes they say the goalkeeper coach can only do the defense part which is which is not right because to be very honest um uh, the last two years at united when we did all kinds of exercises you know for scoring or when the goalkeepers became so good that the players didn't score anymore. Louis said, Franz, tell them how to score. You know, that's the other way around. And that's the same with set pieces. Um, when you really like the game, you go into that, you see what is the best possible defense and what is the best possible offense. I don't know if you ever saw it, but when I was like in the, in the, in like in the set piece part, 
2012-14, the Dutch national team, till even the World Cup, we didn't receive one goal against us, except for penalties, out of set pieces. And that was only a matter of organization, only organization and repetition. So, and, and I, I didn't say this too much before, but it will come because when we are done with this like specific book on goalkeeping, but also, you know, like tapes and all that kind of stuff, I'm going to, to focus on the set pieces because I think it's still at point zero there. So this means there's a lot of, uh, you can gain a lot out of it because there's nothing happening. And this means if we want to be taken seriously, I think it's a very good thing if we as, as specialized coaches have more in our luggage than what we have at this moment. So no, and I totally agree with you with the offensive as well as defense. Like so many coaches look at us, goalkeeper coaches and say, okay, or help your goalkeeper organize or figure it out. But who better in that situation to explain the offensive, um, the offensive side of it? Like, what are you looking for? These are the weaknesses. These are the areas you're looking for in the box at the, against the goalkeeper, you know? And, yeah. and it's true. You're always just put into that defensive role. Help them organize the wall or set up, you know, see where your goalkeeper's position. No, no, I agree, I, I agree completely. But it takes a little bit of time, you know. And also as a goalkeeper coach, you need a little bit more uh, luggage eh, to mm -hmm. explain it. Because, you know, every game I did it, it took me eight hours to prepare it, you know. And not only prepare it, but also give the presentation to the players mm -hmm. and then go out and practice it evaluate it and continue again so yes. you know it's 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 a fantastic tool for us as well but in offense and in defense but it's it's still you know at the point zero in my opinion because eh, some oh my goalkeeper coach can only do the defense okay why not the offense I have a question um, in, in regards to that because uh, a couple of weeks ago we had um, you know um, a first team coach who's, who's also a goalkeeper coach as well um, in, in the USL, John Pascarella. And he was saying that a lot of times from an, uh, from a goalkeeping standpoint, he likes to be, uh, the final, the final action, basically the final striker in the session. Um, so that he can, he can make sure that he manipulates the service to be something that's going to be realistic to, to the goalkeeper. And that a lot of times that if he leaves it up to one of the players, um, he doesn't get, get what he wants. Um, in your opinion, because it's that seems a yeah. oh, little because the head coach says that he finishes and he is doing that because the players can do it. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, so youth, youth players, though. Youth players, though. Not, not the professional players. So. But if you talk about youth players, they work with a youth goalkeeper. So the moment I step in as a senior player, it's not realistic anymore. Mm. So what I always say is they need to develop the youth players so good that they can do the job. And, and this is what you say is, I understand the coaches, but on the other side, to be realistic as well, in the end of my career, I didn't, I, I mean, when I started, I kicked all the balls in the world, but in the end, I didn't. Well, you know, Saskia, but in the end, <laughs> it's true. I Why not? Because I can kick. They need to learn how to kick. But it's so true because even with me, with UCLA and everything now, I, I do not kick. Like no. my, my, the field players do, my goalkeepers kick against each other, but I don't, I compared to a club where my leg wants to fall off. <laughs> like I don't, yeah. I, I don't kick. But, but that's already like, 
for some people, they don't understand that. Listen, I love to kick. I love to kill them. Me I love too. To the ball, but it's I will not- say I kick when I come out in a bad mood. <laughs> I, then it's not, then it's just therapy and cathartic for me, and I'm just like, get in the goal. Correct. Omar, Omar, kicks though because he needs to see those 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 <laughs> sessions on video. Though you need to you need to get your strikes on video, right? I still do. Yeah, I definitely am a little sore from yesterday. I had back-to-back group sessions and physically I'm exhausted because I'm not in shape. But, uh, but no, I see what you're saying, Mike. I think it definitely, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that the strike on goal is, is uh, what you're trying to portray. So we did like a in possession, out of possession, ball came to the angle. I took a touch either inside or outside and then I had somebody making a run. So I decided whether I was going to shoot it or lay it off. So I think, again, it's, it's important to be able to dictate how you drew up the session and be the person who either lays it off, takes a shot, or does a cutback cross. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, those players don't know what your idea is for the session. So, sometimes it's good to have that final action. I don't agree with you, Omar. That's fair. I'm still young. I mean, I, I've only been doing this for a few years. You've been doing it. Why don't I agree? Because the moment you do it, it's not realistic anymore. They were college, they were college goalkeepers. So, I think... It doesn't matter what keepers are doing. Okay. Moment, but even for no, me with my college... Omar, this is interesting because... This is a fantastic discussion. And when the book comes out, you know, and there will be like clinics and online stuff, the more, and I understand what you're saying, but you also, and, and listen, I have to be realistic and honest. When I was at Ajax, I tested everything out, not with the first team, with the second team, with the under 16, with the under 14. I tried it out all. And I had your opinion. Hey, they cannot do it, so I will do it, blah, 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 blah. But then I thought, okay, in the end, Look at the head coaches. Who of the head coaches, Van Gaal, Ferguson, whatever, who is kicking one ball? Nobody does. Correct? I would and love the, to see Ferguson cook, kick a strike ball. You understand what I'm saying? And we as goalkeeper coaches, I mean, I have a lot of friends and people I know. I can't be a goalkeeper coach anymore because I can't kick the ball. Okay. But you are a coach. So does that mean if you don't kick a ball, you cannot coach anymore? And that's the interesting thing, Omar, because I do understand what you mean. And I think that you will do a good job to get that out. But on the other side, when I don't teach the players what I want, or I don't teach the other goalkeepers like in warm-up that they have to do whatever it is, then my question is, how realistic is it? And maybe we need to help these players to become better kickers or to become and take a better decision or whatever it is. And of course, when you work in isolation, you can do it. You can say, hey, you know, I will be helping them and I do this, but then we have to transfer it again into the game. But I understand that you do that because I all did that. Yeah, but I think that what I found with, and I I actually don't agree with you either, Omar, um, which is, but but I love you. Um, (laughs) um, Because what I found moving with UCLA and that, you know, this is the first that's the first time I've coached this age and this level. And obviously it's the best team in the country. So that's awesome. And I'm psyched about that. But what I found is when I, when the, when I pull players over, when Amanda sends me field players and I put them into the drill, I want, it is more realistic than when I, than when I do it. Um, and the dynamics behind that level of player shooting on my goalkeeper and a player after player after player, it becomes more realistic to me and to the goalkeepers. And then when we transition into small sided games and playing, they're, they're already on pace with the team, with their, with their 
um, teammates and their, the pace of the, their game, as opposed to me not okay, if I want a ball, I'll always knock to the far corner. I mean, I'm not going to, it's not the same. I, I don't find this the same. And honestly, I don't, I don't strike the ball as hard as some of these kids did right now. As some of these girls, not anymore. And so, and it's, you know, and the inconsistency, and we talked about this the other day, that's part of it as well. That's part of it as well. It's their level. You know, it's not going to be a perfect shot every time. And these are the players they play against in, in college. So I find it better to use them than, than me. One, one thing. Part, do you agree that it's better when the players do it than you do it? Do you yes. agree with that? Yes. No, I, I would agree. Yeah. I think it's just, okay. I do, oh, I do a lot of, but, oh, but sorry. I do are, a lot of private. No, but you are not pleased with how the players do it. Correct. No, but I think um, in private it's different because Franz is saying that you know it's ice, that's isolation. I mean, if you're one on one, obviously you're gonna have to serve, you're gonna be there to serve the ball. If you're doing privates, even if it's even if you have two goalkeepers, you know, um, especially if you want to work on three balls and you have some, you, you can't pass yourself the three ball and run onto it. So I get that, but I think with a team and with like in you were saying college, then I would let the, the them shoot themselves. Oh, no, in college, for sure. In college, I definitely have, you know, last year we had five goalkeepers. So I had them, I was the person who decided where the ball would go for the shot. But in my private sessions, it's normally just me. And yesterday I had two keepers in each group. So when I had them with me, I was able to be that final shot because, again, I, they char I charge what I charge so that I can give them quality service. And the pitch we were, the pitch we were on was horrible because the parks are still the only things, the only things that are open. And it's super muddy. doesn't really work for us, but made it work. So I was, I guess it's situational. I was the striker, but when it came to college season, when I had the resources to, to not be the shooter, I think that's when I was exactly on your side. I would have them shoot because even if they miss hit it, we could still see, hey, what was your set looking like prior to the shot? Why were you still moving? Even though you hit it off frame, you still can learn something. So the interesting thing is if you do private, what age group is that? Uh, this one yesterday was one was 21 years old and the one was, yeah, both are 21. Okay, then the interesting part, of course, will be in the future. If I'm going one-on-one -on -one with a 21-year-old, what do I teach him? Game-like situations. No, you game, don't. Game. There's no players. If there's no players, it's no game-like. If it's you in, and, the one, and the one goalkeeper, there's nobody else. There's no game. I use a rebounder. I use a rebounder sometimes where I tell you, like, I, I, I draw and them the out big, for... And the big Omar, dummies. It's no game. So, but this will... Listen. This is the Omar's in hell right now. <laughs> no, honestly, I, I like to learn. I mean, I'd rather... <laughs> Omar, this is very good that you say this because, listen, the whole world is doing this. And I know, especially in the US, you do the one, one and you make a living out of that. Okay? Correct or not? And it's, yes. it's fair. Well, not anymore well, for me, but that's okay. No, no, but <laughs> you, know what I mean, eh? you know what I mean with that. Oh, I so know. I understand it. The only thing is, in the near future... I assure you, you can make a living out of it, but you have to ask yourself, is this the best possible practice, practices that I give, that I can give to a 21-year-old? Or do I need something else? And we go now, you know, you say it's game-related. No, the game is, and that's how I start every session, what is the game? So basically, the game is 11 versus 11. You play it on a certain field with certain sizes, you, feel you play it with a certain service. One team has the ball. The other team doesn't have the ball. There's a direction of play. You, you defend there. You attack there. There's a referee, and they're all bad because even with the far, they cannot take the right decision. So they want to do a good job, but they can. There's the pressure of 
the public, there's the pressure of the press, that's the realistic situation. The moment that is realistic, let's say senior level, and you bring it to the practice field, the best practice is 11 versus 11. But you don't get the repetitions you want. So then you say, hey, if I want more repetitions, I make the amount of players less. So for example, and maybe you don't even have 22 players. And then you adjust to that, but you make it as realistic as possible. If in the end, they still cannot kick the ball, catch the ball, then you can say, wow, this, is, you know, this has to be improved. So I take you in isolation and I'm going to work on this specific subject. And then I put you again in the city. But this is a whole way of thinking. And, you know, the first thing is because you will ask me, of course, what's the vision and the methodology. And then we go from the vision into the best methodology. But I understand if you make a living out of individual coaching like that, how are you going to do that? Anyway, so we need to find a way how to improve that. Because, listen, the only way you can evaluate your goalkeeper is, is in the game. So whatever you do, you look at the game to see if he improves, correct? Yeah. So whatever you do, whatever, the only way to evaluate them is the game, nothing else. So this is interesting because if you see things not going well in the game, and I talk about a certain age, eh? like 18 and older, whatever it is, I don't talk about starting goalkeepers 10, 12, whatever it is. They have a certain age and a certain level. So if you see something goes wrong, like through passes in the 11 versus 11, how are you going to coach them in an, in, in an isolated situation? That, that's the question. And some people say, oh, I do it because this and this, but it's not the same. If we agree, this is the game, this is game reality, and you take something away, it's less game related. And if it's individual, it's not game related at all because there is nobody of the opponent, there's nobody of the teammates. So how do you want to coach the pass back with the team if there's no teammates? But can't, can't you, I mean, I, so I say like resources are like what you have at hand to make it as realistic as we possibly can, right? Like that's as far as we can go without having the team setting. And I think there are even, even like we showed these, uh, I showed Saskia and, and Mike a few days ago, I had a young girl, who, you know, I had dummies and I would take the touch around the dummy. And right away I noticed that she didn't understand visual cues of when to set and the right timing of when to set because no one's ever worked for her, work with her on that. So again, you know, hitting it off a volley, it's one thing, but actually taking a touch around the dummy and having her see what the visual cue is and have an understanding and awareness of when to set. That is to me, at a certain point, that's a layer within the grand scheme of things. And I think if we can iron that out a little bit, not in isolation, because it is kind of like a, it is an actual touch versus like coming from the hands. So it is somewhat realistic, but I know what you're saying in terms of getting the full setting and to paint the picture for them. But I can say that that's still very effective. That's what you think. That's not what you think. <laughs> you don't know. Well, I'm going like, oh, 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 to show you a video. Hold on. I'm going to share my screen real quick. Can I show you real quick what I did yesterday? Just fast. What we are going to do for the future is exactly this. Because I started to say, I think that probably. Oops it's effective or whatever it is. But take my word that that's your opinion. That's what you think. I see like on the internet, I see exercises and they say it's game related and there's no opponent. There's no own player. So the reference is not the game. It's something else. And listen, I did the same as what you say now. Exact. I never use dummies anymore. Why a dummy? 
Why? A dummy is just standing there. We, I mean, we, we, no, we, we talked. We actually t we actually talked about that with uh, Ian Wilcock from uh, Manchester United Women's uh, Squad, and he said he's mm. he's not using mannequins anymore. Saskia Sus Suskia was talking about <laughs> not using go. mannequins because mannequins now, are stationary. I'm, One yeah, of the tr trouble people. I've had with I, I use players <laughs> when I can. I mean, but I understand Omar's point. I mean, in an individual private session, Listen, you, Saskia, I do. Yeah. Take my word, I do. Only I want him to start thinking about what he does. Okay, and and I just give him some feedback, you know, and I'm bad on him. I know that. But why? <laughs> okay. Serious. He is hardworking, but he needs to realize what actually you can do, and what you actually can do with like whatever it's dummies or whatever it is, or with the game-related situation, because everybody will say it's a game-related situation, and then we have to define what is game related and that's what i say i always start like that what is game what is the game this is the game so this means look at your setup there this has nothing to do with the game take away the goal and you will ask anybody on the street what is this they will say okay this is something with the ball or not or whatever it is so for me game related is if i come on your uh, on your uh, field and i see like two teams if not now you have to start to explain what it is. That's always one step extra, because if you need to explain it, then the interpretation of the people you talk to can be in different areas. So, so this, I experienced it all, eh? And I thought, hey, I'm clear, and I, I know what you don't you mean. Don't you know what I mean? Oh, what stupid are you? It has nothing to do with it. It has to do with the message, how you bring it across. And to be honest, the message should be given by itself. I'll give you an example, Omar. So I had like they were 16 years of age. Okay. And they were, in my opinion, I couldn't explain then why, but I saw, you know, like 12 goalkeepers. And I said to Louis, Louis, we have to bring these two up. The rest are not good enough. Okay. But I couldn't explain why. Okay. So it was a feeling. So we brought them to the first team. I did let them play the day after the game, five versus five. So frustrated players who didn't play and who needed to get rid of their aggression. And it's a five against five. So every shot was a goal. Every shot was a goal. So they started to yell and shout at me, the players. How can you bring in two of these small goalkeepers, blah, 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 blah. I didn't say anything. They almost went away crying. But I thought, okay, now I want to see if they are going to stand up in the coming month and they start to make some saves. And what happened was, they were, of course, down. I didn't even coach them during the game because it was so obvious every shot was a goal. So, and then they came back. Second time, they made a save. Third time, fourth time. It took two months. And then they started to really to make saves. So, I didn't need to coach them. I didn't need to say anything. I put them in the most difficult situation for them at that moment. And they showed me they had, they, and it was like psychology of the street. You know what I mean? It could have been gone wrong. It could, yeah, I, I'm like, it could have you know? gone the other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I talk about nice. It's like a, like a Dar that's a Darwin uh, survival of the fittest type of situation. <laughs> exactly. This is what I tried to say, Omar. This is 98. We are now in 2020. I would not probably do it this way anymore because it's a little bit risky. But, you know, I started to work in 2010 with a psychologist in Bayern So, do I know something about psychology? I have a master's degree. I tell you, I don't know anything. 
about physical fitness. You know, I have a master's degree. If I see the reality at this moment and the development, I don't know anything. So what I do is I bring the best people in. If I see problems, you know, outside of the game that hopefully they can improve. And that's the same with this. The more I need to explain, it's not good. It needs to be as less explained as possible. And you are right. Setting yourself is a vital thing. And almost every goalkeeper is doing a, a wrong thing. I tell you, why do they set themselves? You tell me. So a concrete example. Why do they need to set themselves? Why? To be able to, you know, get their feet planted into the ground and actually push and go. So why do you want them to push? Uh, to reach anything outside the bubble. So this means you want them already to fall and dive? Uh, no, but I think if, if you want to have a variety of options, you need to be able to have a set position to like anything you do, like wide receivers, it's probably best to be set right to catch the ball because you have more hand-eye coordination. But look, look at every level. So they set themselves, they go up and down, correct? Sure, yeah. Can you see a top level who is doing a good job with that? Uh, Ter Stegen, I would say. Say it again? Ter Stegen. But is he setting himself or is he standing already? I mean, I'd have to see the situation, but for the most part, he moves from point A to point B and then he gets to point okay. B and he gets to a good set position. Okay, so interesting is, why do we set ourselves? I did it my life long, eh? But now I thought every time I analyze a game and I started, you know, to get more clips in like 2008 and stuff, and, and I started already in Barcelona and I see every time when there's a shot, the goalkeeper is almost always in the air, almost always, even the top level. So this means you have to wait till you're there. Yeah. And then you have to go and dive because you're too late all the time. So yeah. I teach them not to set anymore. Well, wait, hold, wait, hold on. I, hold uh, on, hold on. Yes. So this will be interesting discussions because the moment I want to set myself, then what is the moment? How high do I go? What is the moment that I land? How do I land? Where's my center of gravity? Where's the rest of my body? And from there, how quick can I move? Anyway, it's just one simple thing of the complex of goalkeeping. So I get rid of it. I don't want it because the timing is so difficult. And even more, what is the player doing? Take my word, a lot of players are using this to score and they don't even know it. So that's why, that's why I want to say, Omar, I'm looking at games since, you know, since I was 10, I'm 63 now. So 53 years, I'm looking at games. I played games. I, I looked at the games that my goalkeepers are playing, my teams are playing. I analyze the opponents. So you talk about an enormous amount of games and I have been teaching also the setting till I, st I thought they're always late. It doesn't matter who, they're always late. How is this possible? Is it better not to set? And then I found out that it's a big advantage if you don't set. So do you mean by that, getting, just getting there into that space earlier, so you're already there? Yes, you need to find, so positioning yeah. is more important than setting. So you're, so you're already there in the right position. And then Correct. I understand. But the book will give you a lot of <laughs> I know that's blowing my blowing my mind too. I'm, like, right, I'm, I, I'm I'm always I'm always thinking about the pre-stretch into the set. 
I know. But listen. That's why I wanted. That's why we wanted to have you on because you're one of the few goalkeeper coaches out there who's willing to challenge and make people uncomfortable. I feel like I'm on a front hook course right now. But think about it. Think about it. How many times have we said? How many times have we said they're still moving? They're still moving. How many times have we said that watching clips? And I'm just saying it's an interesting. You know, it's better to be in good position. I understand the thought process behind that. Are we going to break down Omar's film, by the way? Are we going to break down Omar's film? Again, I, I'm with you on everything you're saying. Again, it's just the resources sometimes that you have. It's, you can make it as – so let's say, for example, Franz, if I said this is a session that we're working on something within the game versus me saying game realistic, is that more, is that more aligned with what you're trying to say? No, don't try to cheat. <laughs> I mean, I'm, just try, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to maneuver the little game you're, you're throwing at me here. And I'm try- but my question, Omar, my question is also – um, where do you get your content for the practice? Where do you get it? Okay, this is a trick question, but I'm going to tell you the answer because I watch, I watch games and I look at situations. So, you watch the game, you look at situations. And how do you make clear to the people that you work with what are you going to do and why? Uh, yeah, I use, I use the game backing. So, how do you do that? Uh, usually I'll like yesterday I had a clip of, uh, I showed these guys like Brad Guzan and I was showing them when, what I'm doing now, like in the cutback situation of, you know, when they come across, making sure that you don't jump off two feet when you move in your short little movements and making sure that you get properly set. And can we get micro adjustments based off of an early, a good early positioning? So I showed them the Brad Guzan clip and tried to oh, situate oh, that. Oh, 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 oh. How can you show them Guzan and you talk about the totally different goalkeeper? It's forbidden. No, but I'm not saying like I'm not saying like look at his. I'm not saying look at his like Bill. I'm just saying like when he moves across, this is what don't I want your feet to look like. Don't do that. The whole world is doing that. You need clips from the goalkeeper you work with, and you have to show him. Look, what is happening here? What do you think? What is good? What is bad? What can you improve and why? So I let them think, and I don't use clips from anybody in the whole world except from that player. Because take my word. I know, I know, I do, I do, I do. Just this was like the first session. This is the first session I've had these two together. So I haven't showed them the actual footage yet. So I haven't had any footage to show, which I'm going to. It's useless. If you start (laughs) out practicing, it's useless. Because start to make them conscious. So I start with the profile. Okay, for example, United, I make a profile of the goalkeeper of United, which is in relationship to the way of playing of United which means what do we expect in that way of playing from the goalkeeper of United? This is what we expect. Then I fill it in. Uh, 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 David did, uh, Romero did, uh, Johnston did, uh, Joel Pereira did, and Dean Henderson did. He was 18 then. Then they have their opinion about you know, what is in the profile. Then I sit down with them, have clips from them, show them the clips of them and come up with conclusions. Okay, look at this, blah, 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 blah. What do you think? Blah, blah. So I let them say what I know already, but I don't tell them because it's their problem, not my problem. I'm only the one who tries to help them. So then we come to a conclusion and then based on the conclusions, we see, hey, we can improve this, this, this. Yes, yes, that, okay, that will be difficult, but okay. And then we go out and we work on it. I mean, if I say, hey, we get a cutback, whatever, and uh, look at uh, how uh, Khan did it. That's what you have to do, basically. I mean, that's, not re- that's the next steps in development. You know what I mean? And that's why 
using all the tools that we have nowadays. I mean, hey, iPhone, GoPro, no problem. You can just show it, you know, film it. And from there, hey, look at what you see. What is this? Do you see that? Do we like that? Yes or no? Can you improve that? Yes or no? How are we going to improve that? How do you think? That's a start. You know what I mean? And if you start with other examples already, I mean, I know the whole world is doing it, but it's, it's basically also frustrating because I don't want them to like, I don't know, what's the name of the goalkeeper you coach with? Uh, Derek. <laughs> Derek. I don't want a second uh, uh, Fondasar or Kuzan uh, or whatever. I want Derek. I want an original Derek. If you look at my goalkeepers, they're all different. They're all unique. And it's the same with us coaches. There's not one coach who is the same. You cannot copy me. I cannot copy you. It's impossible. You have your personality. I have my personality. Yeah, nobody can copy you, Franz. That's for sure. I, I can't. I, I just. I'm. A, I can't get over the no setting thing. I'm just like my mind's still. Oh, I can't. No, but I love it, and I'm sitting here in my head going. Thinking about my UCLA goalkeepers, like, ooh, how do I, like, let me, the let me, whole world is doing that. The whole world is doing that. And I did it my whole life. No, so I can't wait, wait to get back, them back on the field if I ever it get them back on the field. And it was like diving, you know? That was like, you, you didn't do anything else. But I started to think about it. Okay, what happens? Why? How? Uh, what is better? What is not? And then I work with them and I see, hey, every time it's too late. So, you know, let's stay low. Let's stay there. And if you set yourself, only do this, not more, you know, because yeah, they are yeah. so used to that the whole life. So you, you have also the problem if they are used to something and you, you don't or you know it's not the best, then you have to go back to the base again. And listen, I never, this is I, never I never jumped into a set. Like, I never, like, I always, my personal way of setting was I always stepped into it. Like okay. I, I was moving. I, I never was, I know what you're talking about that. Like, you know, land move. Yes. And that was never me. That's not how I was Tony. That's not, I was taught by you as well, but back then you were teaching that, but, but, but I never did that. I, I kind of stepped into a set and set. Okay. Does that make sense? That's, yeah, of course. That's already a lot better. But to be honest, <laughs> when you were with me in Holland, we also were teaching the setting. Boom. Yes, well, the yeah. whole world did it, you know, or I thought you had to do it. But we, we talk about, you know, 1987. Okay, we are now 2020. So to be very honest together, I started like the thesis in 75. Basically, there was not a lot on goalkeeping. There was not a lot, you know, and, and when I started 92, I was the first one with tapes, 92, really something you know, DVD and stuff like that. <laughs> Guys, we are now 2020. We are 30 years ahead. This means we need a lot of scientific background. We need a lot of testing. We need a lot of trying out. So I hope with the book that comes that people say, hey, you're crazy, but whatever, setting this, that. It's not what I think. It's just logical thinking, scientific background, analyzing and find the best principles of doing it and this is so that's why omar i i put you a little bit on the spot with this um and just no no to let you go out and start thinking about it because nobody did that to me i had to do that to myself all the time you know what i mean all the time and i told you i started my thesis because i couldn't find books so i started to develop 
how can I solve this problem? How can I solve that? How can I solve that? And that's still today, still how I do it. The penalty kicks, eh, what we did in Argentina, remember that we changed the goalkeeper. Yeah, the Tim Krul situation, right? Yes, it's so logical. And you know when it started? When I started to take penalty kicks for my team, because I was in goal, but I told you I could also play. But in my time, the passback rule was I could pick up the ball, I could run like in the whole penalty box and kick it. <laughs> Remember that? Remember those days? It's crazy. It's crazy. You could go so, anywhere yet all the time. Correct. I could. It was, if I see it, I can't believe it anymore. But <laughs> in my team, you know, I always was kicking some balls and I, I, I could kick the ball. So one of the players said, France has to take the penalty kicks. He said, oh, I don't do that because let somebody else do it. Yeah, nobody wants it. They said, okay, I want to take them. But as soon as somebody else wants to take them, I step back. And why did I do that? Because I didn't want the pressure. I didn't want them to say, oh, he wants to take the penalty. No, I didn't want that. I started to take the penalty kicks. And you know the strange thing? I never stopped one. The moment I started to take them, I started to stop them as well. And I, I scored 47 penalties out of 47. And then I had my knee injury, so I quit, if you know what I mean. But the whole thing in Argentina started then. It started then to get a certain way of thinking about the penalty kicks because you and I know if there is a penalty kick, how many goalkeepers are gambling? Uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot of goalkeepers. All of them, and they not, think I, not me. No, but you understand almost all of them. That's why I say almost, Saskia. You are. <laughs> like, no, I'm, I'm, I swear to God, I'm, that is not the way. Okay. But they no, they all gamble, and there's nothing wrong because if they go, okay, it's a goal, it's a pity, go on. But I don't believe in that. I believe in you do have a chance. And the chance is bigger than when you gamble. Because when I go to one side, how big is the percentage that you will stop the ball? How big is the percentage? Omar. 50%? No, Omar. I mean, it's got to be like 25%, 30%. Okay. You say 50, you say 25. Why I is that? I said 50. I said, I said, I said 50. If you go one, if you go one direction all the way fully, you're going to cover that space if the ball goes into that space. Ask Hope Solo how that worked. Okay. Ask. Omar said, "Ask Hope Solo how that worked." Yeah, right. Remember the Hope Solo uh, Omar, shuffle yeah, across. Omar, how, uh, what is your opinion? No, I think I mean I think the the striker has more of an advantage, and if you probably took you know ten PKs, it'd probably be around like probably at least maybe four saves, so maybe forty percent. But I don't know. I just feel like the striker has more of an advantage. But what we know is if you go too early, you go to one side, you leave the middle open, you leave the other side open. All black, so it, man. That's all it's time. already 33%, okay? Then if you go to that side, it's not a guarantee that you save it. Correct. So basically, it's less than 33%. It's just calculation, eh? And that's, of course, what I did also at, um, at the World Cup because I knew the number one and two normally are good penalty takers, but the number three, four, five are not. Right, and my concept with that has, for myself and for my kid, it's always been to give yourself a chance. You force them to take a great PK, like you know, make Correct. the right decision. Read the player. Force them to take a great PK because if Correct. you don't, if they don't, you're gonna save it or you'll Correct. get something on it. And yes. and it's harder for them to to. It, you're putting that pressure on them, and yes. especially. You know, and like you, and like I say the same thing to like, you know, the power of the shot factors in like everything and force them to make it, put it in that side netting. You know, I agree. Beat me. 
So I agree. If it's a perfect penalty, and let's say the perfect penalty is close to the post with a certain speed, mm -hmm. fine, applause go. But what I found out when I started to take the penalty kicks, I took my approach, I waited, and the goalies were gone already. Yes, I love that. It's like... Sure. You know, I, and, and then one time, the one guy stayed on his feet and I thought, okay, I, I, I literally stopped, walked back again, and did it again. But that's illegal. Well, no, because I didn't, no, no, I stepped back again to start all over. You know, I could do that. What you can do is stop and then kick. Nowadays you can. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I, I didn't know what to do. So I was standing and said, okay, sorry, ref, I go back. You know, and I could. So it's like, but it's logical thinking. Mm -hmm. And it's not doing because everybody says it is like that. Anyway, go ahead, go, go. No, I'm just, I, that's been my, my, always been my philosophy. I mean, I get other pe people are on that. Well, I can move laterally, you can't move forward anymore. So if I can move laterally across the goal, then if I you know, go to one side, I have that chance. And that's when you see that ball go right down the middle of the field, right down the middle of the goal. And, you know, I, like I said, force them to um, take a perfect penalty. But the good thing is, Saskia, that we start talking about it and that we start finding arguments, Omar, why to do this, why to do that, test it out, see how it works, go back again, hey, it doesn't work, how can we do it? So that's the interesting part of the development of goalkeeping in general. The only thing what I want is people start thinking about what you do, why you do it, is it successful, yes or no? Do you see them improve in the games? Is that because of your practicing? Is that because of something else? Well, we have to find it out. We need more like security in that, that, that we know that what we do has the biggest effect on playing better actually in games. Franz, I, I want to take this uh, conversation a little bit of a different direction right now, because obviously with the new goal kick rule, you know, you're, you're very big and, and you were one of the first kind of goalkeeper coaches to discuss you know, the we have the ball and the incorporation of the goalkeeper. And it's actually really fascinating because as you're discussing, you know, things such as like an Edwin Van Dessar and why he was so ahead of his time because of the way that he understood how to play the game and how to be part of the game and the team. Um, the modern game has basically gone that direction. I mean, com completely. What, what you, you right now sounding crazy talking about not setting, you know, 10 years from now, people might be like, man, if Franz... Franz was the first one who was talking about not setting. I mean, we just never know where the game's going to go. Um, with the new goal kick rule, do you feel that the game is going to be changing in regards to how we, we teach the goalkeeper how to play out of the back? Not at all. No? Okay. No, because the game changer was the pass back in 92. And basically what you do now is you do the same with uh, the goal kick. You know what I mean? Because you have more chance because you have a little bit more time to play the players, yes or no. And you can see that everybody is searching because they all want to play out of the back, which is not always the most logical thing to do. So uh, uh, it's an option that you have, but it doesn't mean that you need to use the option all the time. i give you an example. We wanted to play, of course, we are Dutch, so we wanted to play out of the back. We want to keep the ball as long as we can. At United, we were struggling with that because the players we had were not the best build-up players, plus the opponent was putting a lot of pressure on them. Okay, so going then from the back, you make it more difficult for yourself and you make it easier for the opponent. So we basically started to play the first balls always long. 
And then the opponent, you know, has to think, wow, they play the ball long. What are we yeah. doing? So they draw back and then we could play from the back again. So you have to be, you know, you have to be always functional and effective. It's not one and one is two. It depends what is the opponent doing? How are they doing it? Do they put pressure? How much pressure do they put? Uh, can we manage that? Yes or no? Okay, so um, I think the big change was in 92. Now it's a matter of making choices. Okay, do I choose to play short and we get pressure of the opponent? Well, if you are City, you have no problem. But if you are a team that is not as good in the build-up and not as, as good build-up players as City, you, you find yourself into problems and that's not what you want. So yeah. again, reading the game, and, you know, I could show you, actually, the game of Edison, Real Madrid against Manchester City. So I have been taking in that game a closer look to the build-up. And the conclusion, and I have it, I, I can show you the clip, actually, but the conclusion was... Omar, is that okay? Can somebody else show a clip? Is, is that cool with you? For sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see the clip? Sure. Oh. <laughs> okay, hold absolutely hold on let me that's what i that's what i sound like to, to saskia <laughs> what i'm just like saskia you want to see it okay <laughs> you have no <laughs> I'm, I'm always down yeah i mean we uh, the, you I can, can see it yeah share the screen and saskia so thinking about the set position and how she could no i just i'm proud of myself because <laughs> i knew i was i i'm thinking about it in my head that i never hopped in i never understood why people left the ground and landed and no, moved I, that's why i always stepped into it but you know what like, the good, that timing sucks yeah do you know Sorry. what the good thing is i mean omar you have your feelings and experiences and you think wow this is probably hey, this is like game related or as, as as close as possible to the game or whatever it is Saskia says something about setting and Saskia said something about penalties. The thing is, you are both right. Now the thing is, how can we make it concrete mm -hmm. in a very good language plus that we can say, no, this is not what I think, this is what it is. You know, that's what we yeah. have to find. And that's the step that I want to make. And that's why all of you, I didn't bring out a lot since 92. I did it on purpose. Why? I needed to try it out. I needed to test it out. I needed to work it out. I needed, you know, and the next thing that I want is that we go up in quality coaching. So the first step was a lot of attention for goalkeepers. We managed, okay? We managed. 2020, there's a lot of attention. Uh, goalkeeper coaches all over the world. Every club has one or more, correct? But now what I see is the coaching is going in all direction because mm. there's no real guide there. And what I hope is with the book as more or less a Bible based on reality, make a, make a guide, you know, and the guide can help us to improve everything we do. And it doesn't mean we agree on everything and we don't have to agree on everything, but we have to improve. And we need to make clear what do we mean with hey not setting and why not you know and and yeah. what do we do with like penalty kicks why don't we gamble you know and 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 i can show you everything with clips everything because everything i did came out of the clips it's not that i make it up you know and i don't make yeah. it up so question to you guys now. when when's this bible come out 
I, no. Saskia, I hope end of this year, starting next year. But it's like, you know, it will take another six till eight months. I'm not in a hurry because I think it has to be good. Okay? So you see in the internet what's going on. But now, okay, we go to Edison. Real Madrid against City. Just before COVID-19. My question to you guys. If we think Edison, what do we think? I think Ederson. Uh, I think a uh, shot stopper in regards to point blank situations. He's a shot stopper. Um, phenomenal with his feet. Always looking to break the line. Uh, okay. So he let's, can play the let's, ball high. Let's go away from shot stopping. Okay. okay. I just want to make it concrete. You said phenomenal with his feet. What do you mean with that? Uh, what I mean by that is he understands based on the pressure, the cover, the balance that they've, that they've got where's the best place to play that ball uh, to, to change the point of attack. Like he'll, he'll either play it short, he might go straight to the midfield um, based, on, based on what he's feeling, based on what's the best thing. He might either play a direct ball, he might play a lofted ball. Um, it all depends on what's the best option for the team. Okay, Saskia. Oh, I don't have a comment. <laughs> eh? I don't know, I don't know. Uh, I, I have to see the clip. I don't okay. have an answer for this. Oh, but in general, if we talk A to I don't have an answer for this. Um, She's becoming careful. Omar, what do you think? Yeah, I am, I am. No, very similar to what Mike said. I think he just has a really good awareness of, of scanning the field and where the next pass has to go and just incredible sense of where his prep touch needs to go, where the pressure is coming from, yeah, and then the obviously what the best – yeah, where the where the uh, where the best ball is for the for the team, and he's a really good he does a really good job. But once he passes the ball, he shows at an angle, so it's almost as if he's like in a rondo where he finds the open space and he lays the ball off and he doesn't stay still. He moves after that, and I think that's huge for uh, for young goalkeepers to watch. And it's not that I wouldn't want to be wrong; it's that I don't have enough of an opinion on it. Like I have to see more more of it. Okay, that's and why. what do you think about his long passing? It's so, pretty ridiculous. It's insane. I mean. It barely like it, it. I mean, you see so many balls to Aguero, balls over the top, and it like barely gets any height. It just goes straight across, zooms across. I mean, he has the he has the longest in, in the book of world history, book of world history, uh, in the uh, record holder for the longest side volley in the world ever. So I think he just has a powerful leg, and he's been able to maximize and optimize how he distributes the ball. Okay. They, I don't know, it's crazy. I'll send you the link. It's it's huge, yeah. No, no, but I think no, no. Omar, you you brought up a big thing in regards to his prep I'm touch, though. You the game. Okay. I'm showing you now his build-up okay. moments in the game. Okay? Oh, okay, cool. Okay, so what? And this is a big game. It's Madrid against City just before COVID. Okay, what I want to say is this, guys. So when I analyzed all, and I did it with everything you can imagine in the game, but I analyzed the passback situation worldwide. I analyzed that there are eight situations. Okay, the situations are based on pressure or no pressure on the goalkeeper yeah there is a free man or there's no free man on the pitch you can play short or long and then we can define what is short and what is long okay but if we have this uh, uh, way of looking there are eight situations okay based on these situations we are going to look at eight yeah and i will say something about that i first let you see it just look at it. I go to the bathroom, come back, and then I want to know what's going on. Because I've seen it already. Okay. And then, can you see it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Analyze. Are you still, did, could you see it? Yeah. So, what is your opinion? I mean, one of the things I noticed was 
a lot of the same themes in regards to a lot of patterns, um, similar, similar situations over and over and over, um, waiting for the right opportunity to play the right ball rather than, than rushing something. I saw less of a degree of success with the long ball than they did, obviously, with the short buildup. Um, although it did, did work one of the times. You know, that's one thing I noticed. Also, I noticed it in regards to the, the percentage, possession percentage between Real Madrid and Man City. It did not look that... That was the crazy part to me because Real Madrid had a higher possession percentage than Man City did despite the yeah, fact good. that they yes. were playing out of the back consistently. Omar. Uh, a few things. One is that he, I mean, he puts his foot on the ball and he dictates the entire game. I mean, literally everyone's at his mercy. They're just waiting to see which pass he's going to pick. And then from there, Real Madrid is waiting to apply the pressure based on whatever pass he gives. Um, the other thing I saw was that a lot of his distribution was, I mean, for lack of a better term, just didn't come off the right way. We see him being this incredible passer and a lot, he didn't complete many of them. And I think um, that's one thing that I, Richard Wright, who, you know, former Man, Man City goalkeeper, he said on Joe Hart's podcast that one thing that he loves about Ederson is his lack of fear. And that one thing can happen, two instances can happen, one where he makes a completely wrong decision. But then like five minutes later, doesn't matter about that bad decision. He'll do it again no matter what because he has no fear at all and he makes it happen the second time. So I think that's something that I saw here is like no matter how many times he met, he had a missed pass, he continues to do the exact same thing because that's, that's him. So I think that was he, – he didn't let his identity falter based off of uh, incompleted passes. What you do now is, Omar, you take somebody else's opinion in your opinion. Wait, what about me? Don't, no, no, hold on. I just <laughs> want to say, try to look as clean as you can to the situation without any inference of anybody, okay? So I will say what I see, okay? Oh, wait, what about me? No, no, you are now. Oh, okay. There you go. Oh, I get to go? Well, um, for, oh, am I going or are you going? Yeah, you go. Okay, well, um, yes, I felt that he, was di he would dictate to game, however, I saw a lack of change of pace. Um, I thought okay, hold he on. would- I, Hold on, hold on. I immediately asked you a question because he said the same. No, I'm, Why do you think do you think he dictated the game? Or, I, okay, I'll tell you what. Or because I think what let he, him dictate the game. No, I I feel that he pulled he he made the passes the short passes he made to draw the players to the positions he wanted. Hey, to listen, get, that's what you think. You don't know. I didn't see that. <laughs> There's no right answers, Oscar. There's no right answer. <laughs> no, there is. There is, but this is our problem of all of us coaches. We take our, we take, uh, uh, we assume that he did that. But just, okay, go on. I just. I, I I'm, I'm assuming he did it after because he kept doing it over and over and over again. So my thought process, and the only reason you keep repeating the same thing is because this is what you think the right thing. That's, he kept doing it over and over again. So I'm assuming that's what he was thinking. If I do the short pass, I'm going to start drawing them in. Then I'm going to touch the ball, look for the long pass. Touch the ball, look for the long pass. What I didn't see was a change of pace and a change of speed to actually open that up and open those spaces up and move the other team around. So the reason I say that is because he kept doing it. So that's why I am assuming that's what he was thinking. So that's where I'm at. No, no, you don't know if that was what he's thinking. It's just your observation. 
It's my, right. I don't know. <laughs> okay. no. So the interesting thing here is we don't know what the game plan was. We don't know what is assigned. Is he about to come on the show? No, no, but you know what? <laughs> I mean? so the first thing you have to learn is that we cannot say we think that he, no, because we don't know. The only thing we can do is, and that's very difficult. Okay, let's look at Manchester City. We know that Manchester City wants to have the ball more than the opponent, correct? Yes. We know that Manchester City bought a goalkeeper from 40 million and another one from 20 million, so 60 million, something like that, because they are capable of playing the ball to the right corner, correct? Yes. That's what we know from the outside world. So we also know that the majority of games that City plays, they have the ball a lot more than the opponent. So it's very interesting to see that in the 61st minute, Madrid has the ball more than City. How is that possible? That, that, was, the, that think... was the one thing that, to me, struck out the most after you showed us possession for three minutes and 45 seconds, <laughs> that during it, and it was very clear that Madrid had had higher percentage of possession. And I, 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 one of the things that, 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 that you brought up, somebody brought up, and I, I'm not sure who, who it was exactly, um, was Franz, I think it might have been you, was that did, was he dictating, was he dictating the game or was Madrid allowing him to dictate I said that because they both said that he was dictating. No. And this is when I go back to the structure of the passback. Um, pressure on the goalkeeper. There's no pressure on the goalkeeper. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I think that Madrid did an excellent job because the fact that they didn't pressure him made it difficult on him because there was no free man on the field. There was, but he couldn't find the free man. So the fact that there was no free man on the field and what Madrid did was, if he played the ball short, they pressured the guy that received the ball. Okay? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that guy, okay, he needed to play the ball back, yes or no. So they played him back a lot of times to Ederson, who then need to come up with a solution. So he just so, gave the ball away. Correct. So let's see what happens there. Eh? Look, <laughs> I go and let you see what I see. Okay? Okay. So what I did was I did cut short build-up and long build-up. Okay? Because that's one of the things that I said to you guys, which is important. I, uh, and I said there's pressure, no pressure on the goalkeeper, and there's a free man or no free man. We know that if there's pressure on the goalkeeper from the opponent, there's always a free man on the pitch. Always. Because the man that's going to pressure, let him go. Okay? And, okay, look at this. So what you can see is that he is very comfortable with the ball. Okay? We agree upon that. He is very comfortable. Uh, my principle is, when there's a pass back, make the space as big as you can between the opponent's and yourself, then you give time and space. That's one. Second is, if the ball has been passing back, it has to do, you know, easy pass back, blah, 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 blah. Then, as a goalkeeper, you need to have a position that you can see the whole pitch. You need a first touch that you can play the ball short and long in all directions. Okay? So, I don't want outside uh, uh, controls. and I that, But, okay, I, I describe that all in the, let us say, in the, in the profiles. Okay, so you can see here, the number 22 here is completely free, all the time. 
okay? He is a left-footed player, Ederson. He's not that good with right. I didn't see that yet. So you can see he's looking. He is going to stand in between the two central defenders. I don't know why he's doing that, because that means you have two positions less to play. So instead of like 10 possibilities to play, you only have eight possibilities to play. And if you play the ball wide to one of the central defenders, you are very vulnerable because if they intercept the ball, the goal is completely open. And when I have a little bit more triangle, then even if we miss the ball, I still can defend the goal. On the other side, he has a technique, and you said it, Omar, he can kick the ball to the other side of the field without any problem. So the technique to do that is there anyway. So you can see he plays short, 22, good. He does ask for the ball again. He wants the ball, which is very positive in my opinion. And he is not afraid to get the ball. You can see here again, and here he has the ball. And now he is like scanning, no patient. It's minute 18, he plays the ball long, ball loss. I tell you now, seven long balls, basically seven ball losses. So my question now is already to you, Omar, do you want a beautiful pass and ball loss or do you want an ugly pass and ball possession? What do you want? Uh, Whatever is effective. So ugly pass and possession. I agree with you. So I think he has a fantastic pass, but in this game, seven long balls, seven ball possession, ball losses, seven. Which maybe explains less possession of the ball than what they normally have. I don't know. I just say it could be a reason. Okay. Well, look at this. Again, pass back. No pressure of the opponent. You can see that. They don't pressure him. I think very smart. Because if they pressure him, the free man is there. Now there's basically not really a free man, if you know what I mean. Not clear and obvious. And you can see, no problem to play the ball in the middle. You can see there are four players around this player, but this is the city way of playing. So he is not afraid to play the ball. He plays it, plays it back again. But now, Omar, I don't think he really gives an option. Do you think that Edison is really active for giving an option? Absolutely not, no. Okay. So, and you said to me, that's what he always does. My conclusion is he doesn't do it. In my profile, it says that, and you will see the Gea, at least in our time, he always gave an option and he always wanted to have the ball. But this is what we conclude. I don't know what their uh, agreement is. So, Franz, I, I want to ask you a question. Then why is it because of a couple instances that people come up with a profile and because of that it becomes, for lack of a better term, gospel in a lot of goalkeeper coaches' minds we rather we than... We assume that it is like that. But now I, I analyze... Oh, I can only say something about this game. I can only say something about this game. Eh? And Saskia, I liked it that you said, hey... You know, I can't say enough because I didn't study or whatever. That's good. If you have an opinion, you have to study somebody very good. And I do that in this game. Okay. So in this game, I studied him. Okay. And this is what I found. Okay. You can see he's very comfortable, very comfortable with the ball, very comfortable in a short, in short distance. Look, this is a little bit risky, but this yeah. is the way they play. And he does it. And look at this. Look, the ball comes back. Right foot, only left-footed, not right and left-footed. And look, instead of an easy pass to the side, he plays it deep again. 
very good, basically. So my conclusion, Omar, what I see in this game is when it's a short distance and he can play the ball in short distance, it's almost a 100% score. Very good. This is also how they want to play. Look at this, for example. Pass back. You can see very comfortable because his control is not to play again. His control is he needs to touch it two or three times before he can play it. Again, you see, touch, play. Okay, now he asks for the ball, but in my opinion, he can do even better than this. And now stay away from that attacker that is, you know, trying to press him. If he goes more back, it's five meters, then probably the other guy will not even come. You know what I mean? He doesn't do it. This is the way of playing. Fantastic. It's a bad control, but basically they are out. And even, and that's what you said, Omar, I think that was very good. Even when they kick the ball over the goal, you can still say something. Even if you're not really part of it, because you search a certain position, you have an influence on the rest of the players. Okay, look at this situation. It is also a short. It's a through ball, more or less. Okay, it's a pass back. Look, this guy wants to pressure, but he remembers, wow, we shouldn't pressure the goalkeeper. We let him free. And that's why he stops a little bit because his pressure could be more. And you can see how calm Ederson is. That's a big quality. Even if they pressure him full, he stays calm. He's like a player. So I see that's a big, big quality. But look, does he ask for the ball immediately, Omar? No. But I think okay. that'd be a tough situation, I feel, like, to ask for that ball. Because the if, they, if they lose it, if they lose it, he's out of the goal completely. So for him, he he's probably like, you know what? All the time. He's out of the goal all the time. He's not doing a good job there, I tell you. And we saw against, I think, United that he lost the ball and it was a goal because of his position. But that's yeah. part of his game, which is okay. If, the, if, you, if you say, I want him to play like this and he can have that, that risk, okay, we take the risk as a team. But I think he should give an option here, you know, and more active. But that's how I look at it, you know. I don't know how they look at it. So, Franz, so you're saying where would you have – if you were Ederson in that situation right there, where would you have positioned yourself? As far as I can from the opponent. Okay. And I don't care where the goal is because, you know, the fields are so good that it, for them it doesn't matter, you know. And they are skill- – he is so skillful – that he receives the ball everywhere. And I agree. <clears throat> he is so good in the short distance. And if they pressure him, he only becomes better, which is a big quality. But now look. Now decision-making. Eh? You can see the four teams, the two centrals are free, but he chooses the long ball. Okay, now you see long balls. Ball loss. Okay? Just look at the long balls now. Hurt, pass back. We can say something about decision-making and choices, but you look, again, he doesn't want to play short, whatever the reason is. It's like the first 10 minutes, so it looks like maybe that's also a scouting report as well. Like, let's see if we can beat him in behind. Yeah. Again, it's a ball loss. So I I want to come back to this, eh? A little bit later. So, okay, ball loss and, and, you know, even it could be a counter. Okay. Again. And look at the guy here, the the right back. He was free the whole game. Look, long ball, ball loss. Correct? I I can't make it something else. Look at the number two here. And he really wants to have the ball. The whole game he was free. He didn't play one time. 
for me, left-footed player, it's easy. Look at how free he is, correct? But I don't know what the game plan was. I only see, say what I see. And look at this. The number two, now it's the 52nd minute. He wants to have the ball. Again, long ball, falling ball, ball loss. Is that a, is that a lack of communication between un, the understanding I, listen, of what your teammates want? I come back. Look at this. Look at the number two in the bottom here. So the 52-48, very well. Look, he is not even part of the game anymore now. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. And now the pass is coming. It's not a good pass. And it's ball number seven. It's ball loss. Okay. So what I want to say is this. If I'm now the goalkeeper coach of Manchester City, I analyze the game. My conclusion is the short balls, he's fantastic. Really. Every ball he gets, pressure, yes, no, he's very good. If there's pressure, he finds the free man. But we were, we were forced as a team to play the long balls because Madrid was smart. Madrid didn't pressure the goalkeeper. They stayed away. We're in between players. So seven long balls, seven times ball loss. So now I would say, Pep, look at this. Seven long balls, whatever, eight, nine, whatever it is. And we have the majority is ball loss. What shall we do? Do you want this? Are you okay with this? Or do you want to keep the ball? I give you an example. When I was at Bayern München, we also wanted to play from the back. We had problems if we played short of the pressure of the opponent. Okay, so we needed to find another way. The way we found it then was we made the pitch very big if there is a pass back for the goalkeeper. We made it very big. Mm -hmm. We created the space in front of Ribéry and in front of Robin, in front of them. So we all knew there was a space. The goalkeeper was supposed to play the ball with a falling ball into that space. Robin and Ribéry, they were not the tallest one, but they were always in possession of the ball. Out of 10 situations, we had the ball eight times. And then we started to play. If we played two, three balls, the opponent thought, okay, we know the solution, so we draw back. So they draw back, and then we had plays, you know, to start from the back. What I try to say is, the game is the teacher. So if I see this game and I see City, I couldn't wait to see the next game that Madrid plays against City. Now I want to see, hey, do they care about the fact that they lost the long balls? Don't they care? Do they come up with a solution? Yes or no? So... This is just a small part, you know, a small part of the game and which I like, you know, what is our way of playing? How do we want to build up? What's the role of the goalie? What's the role of the players? What's the role of the opponent? So they all are important in this, you know, in this game. By the way, I have another 10 minutes, guys. <laughs> no, no, we've been going, we've going for a while. I mean, but, tell me. We usually, usually on podcasts do only an hour. Yeah. But we're all like, but, 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 Omar, do you understand that what yes. I want to what I want to create is being concrete? Because Omar, I have the same opinion. If I heard about Edison exactly like you, but I started, of course, already six years ago to make it more specified. Mm -hmm. And this also means for me, hey, if I'm going to work now with Edison in this specific situation. We all know he has a fantastic pass. I don't know if he can play a dropping ball. I don't know. I haven't seen that too much. I don't know. I know he has a very straight pass, a very long pass. Fantastic. But that's what I say. It's a beautiful pass, but it's defective. I, I rather have an ugly pass 
that is effective than a beautiful pass that we lose the ball. So mm -hmm. what I hope in the future, Omar, is that everybody that is working with the goalkeepers is going to think like this. And hey, yeah, in this game, what we saw from Ederson is, you know, we had like seven long passes, whatever the reason is. And we know the reason is because Real Madrid was smart. They didn't pressure him because if they pressure him, they lost. They're lost because he finds the free man direct or with somebody of the midfield, they find him. And you know that City, all the players are basically midfield players. Even the goalkeeper can play in the midfield. They are very good with the ball. But this is the challenge. Eh? And now you have Joe Hart in the goal and you want to play like this. What do you have to do to make him? And that's the challenge. You know, that's what I think is the challenge. Um, and this is just one example of the, of the pass back and the build-up. But of course, I have examples in every possible <laughs> situation of the game. We had to structure that. We had to structure that and came to, and that's why I needed the scientific background as well. You know, I needed somebody that is thinking scientifically. So, and he will be, of course, the specialist in the physical fitness because Omar, what do you do physical fitness for goalkeepers? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have a team like that. So I just do private sessions. So I can't really do, do too much of that, to be honest with you. Saskia, what do you do? What do we do? Um, we have a physio. We have a phys person that focuses specifically for the goalkeepers and them on their physical fitness. Then they come to me with... And when they come to you, but you need to say, hey, what do they need physically? Oh, what no, absolutely. This is... We coordinate together. I just don't say, right. do whatever. Like, I sat down with Joe and I said, this is where this person's deficient. This person needs more explosion. I need you to focus on footwork here, and I need you to incorporate that, incorporate that into your fitness session, each Fant of them differently. Listen, fantastic. But I take it even to the next level. I came to United, and you have eight physical fitness coaches. And I said, guys, <laughs> no, no, it's crazy. And I said, what do you do for the goalkeeper? Oh, we have a special goalkeeper program. Okay, show it to me. Right. And where is that based on? And then he said, well, you know, it's game related. I said, okay, listen, let's take it away. Uh, you do a physical fitness in the weight room and that's game related. Right. You know, so we started to talk and I said, listen, you have one program for five goalkeepers. Yeah, one program. I said, how is this possible? Let's they're all different because they're all different goalkeepers. And that's what, and thank God, number one, thank God UCLA is as has all the resources they okay, do. Okay, so what we, that's fantastic. But, uh, make sure each one has it their own. What? Correct. So what I did was, I took clips from the goalkeepers of what I thought was a weak point physically. Same. And I was sitting with them and say, hey, what do you think? Well, you know, I feel like this. Okay, fit the fitness coach there. I said, listen, do you see this? Yes. What we would like is this. Can you do that? He said, okay, I'm going to try to, because what I want is you do it in the fitness room, whatever, but then I need a trans the transfer mm -hmm. to the field. And I want to mm -hmm. see. So it's so difficult, Omar. You know, when I started, I did a series of eight balls and that's it. And I made them crazy and I made them leaving the field on the knees. And I thought, well, they are physically very They're fit. fit. Yeah. <laughs> that's bullshit. Because why? You need to see, and we did a lot of research there, what is the physical work they do actually in the game? And that was my big thing with like Victor, when Victor came to United, I said, Victor, look at the games of David. David has, in our game at this moment, average 
34 long balls. Okay? To give 34 long balls the right way, you need to practice three times as much. So you need to be able to kick 100 long balls to be able to kick 34 balls the right way. And of course, Victor was not used to that because in Barcelona, they only play short. But you understand the needs of our game was average 34 long balls. And, and that's the interesting part. And then Raymond comes in. How can we practice all of these things? The goalkeeper's needs that he is fit from the first minute till the last minute in overtime, penalty kicks and throughout the whole season. Listen, mm -hmm. I have a master's degree also in physical education. <laughs> I, I don't know that. You know, I can, I can help them to say, what do we see? How do we improve that? You're a specialist. What do you think? Well, I, is that, you know, is that, so it's, it's so interesting, the whole area. We have still so much to learn that, you know, it's, it's, we, we really start now. Yeah. We start. Mm -hmm. um, and, and now the last thing is Omar or, or Saskia. Now I put them into the game related situation and they are used to do all of these diving and sprinting and this and that. And I say, guys, what I think is it makes you a worse goalkeeper and not a better goalkeeper, but they are playing for United. And they did that since they were eight years old. And now I'm going to tell them it makes you worse. So we need to do it in a different way. What do you think of that? Also mentally. Because they think if I work hard, I play good. And if I work hard, I don't need to feel bad because I work hard. And if I don't play good, I did everything I can. So it's a big switch, if you know what I mean. It's a, it's a crazy switch, which takes time. Franz, we got, we got a couple things. I know, I know you got to get, get going yes. here. Um, first off, uh, greetings from uh, Ruth in Buffalo. In Buffalo? In yeah, Buffalo. Did you say Buffalo? <laughs> well, because I said Ruth. Buffalo. <laughs> I know. I, I, I was trying to Dutch. I was trying to Dutch up Buffalo. <laughs> hey, actually, his name is Ruth Pompert, and Ruth is um, is a Dutch guy. I think he lives already very long in uh, in the US, but he was like a journalist at Ajax when I was at Ajax. Nice. And he loved goalkeeping, and yeah, I follow him on Facebook. So yeah, say hi back. In Buffalo. Hi. In, in Buffalo. Um, and, uh, well, and we, Saskia. You don't live in Buffalo. You live in Los Angeles. There's a reason for that. And we, and we, have, we have a fan who's got a real, actually a, a pretty good question right here for you. Um, this comes from, uh, and I apologize if I butchered the name here, Ingwei Jean. Um, and he said that, uh, Franz, you've said before that we should be developing goalkeepers for the future game or else they risk being behind the curve when they reach the senior level. What do you see the future of goalkeeping being like in 10 years' time? And what are the skills that young goalkeepers should be developing to be ready for that future? Good Lord, it's I think you should questions. have had that question many 20 questions. minutes ago. Okay, <laughs> okay, what I want to say is this. I work in Japan with a, with a fantastic project. Um, they want to be world champion in 2050. And uh, probably I'm not alive anymore. So <laughs> It's, it's possible. So this means the goalkeepers are not born yet, you know? Um, so what I say, I, I will tell you this, what I say to the people there is we have to prepare, uh, in this case, the goalkeepers in a way that when the FIFA says you cannot use your hands and arms anymore, they have to <laughs> 
Listen, <laughs> this is, this is, and, and they look at me and I said, listen, do you know what happened when they changed the, the passback rule in 92? It was like, if they said, you can play, but all the big goalkeepers then, Oliver Kahn, Peter Schmeigel, they were fantastic defensively goalkeepers. And they could also, you know, Peter Schmeigel, of course, could throw the ball into the other game. But the moment the pass back came in, they were helpless because they were not used to that at all. And listen, now we are 2020. It's, it's like, you know, 28 years later. Now we are perfectly used to it. But it took 20 years, which is too long. When I was at Ajax, we adapted immediately. We were lucky because of the type of goalkeeper we had. So we had an advantage from the start by having a goalkeeper who could play with the passback, but also putting pressure on the opponent. So what I want to say is you have to be very open. We can see now that with the passback rule, a lot changed. And the interesting thing is the best goalkeepers worldwide at this moment are from Brazil. 20 years ago, Brazil had the worst goalkeepers in the world. That's what they all said. I just say what they said. Now we see Edison, Allison, and many others. They are basically very important in the game at all. Why? My opinion, because they understand the game. In Brazil, they learn how to play the game as a player. So the base is you need to play the game as a player. And in addition, you learn how to be a goalkeeper. That means especially the defensive part. Because let's be honest, you see it now with City. The only free player on the pitch is the goalkeeper. So the goalkeeper basically has to come up also with ideas. And he will be more and more important because they expect a lot more from the goalkeeper now than 10 years ago, than 20 years ago. And if you see, Liverpool started to win prices with Allison. City started to win prices with Edison. So... It's a fantastic uh, development and a very challenging development. So my advice is you need to educate them as a player. And then the second is teach them the tools to be a goalkeeper in, you know, stopping the shot, intercepting the crosses, one versus one and all that kind of stuff. But the base is understanding the game. And we see that more and more. And it's not that I want it. I just analyze the games. That's all what I do. And what does the game ask from the goalkeeper nowadays? You know, and we see top level. We see the Premier League, but we see it in Spain. We see it in Germany. We see it at the World Cups. It changes. And if we want it, yes or no, it's the way it is. And we have to adapt as coaches. Well, well honestly, Franz, I mean, I, I know you have to go in a couple minutes right here. I just want to say, I mean, I mean I, I'm sure I, I speak for everybody here. I mean, this... It's like something you could have paid for. I mean, this is this was phenomenal. The fact that you took this kind of time with us. I, I don't think that everybody thinks the same. But <laughs> the way it is. I, listen, I also know that when the book comes out and, you know, this is coming out on the market and, you know, I will do courses and clinics and Zoom meetings, whatever. There will be a lot of resistance. And why? Because when you are in a comfort zone and you feel comfortable as a coach, then why, why go out of that and feel uncomfortable? But I can only tell you, to become better, you have to be disbalanced. You know, to be honest, I have been disbalanced my whole life because everything I did, I questioned myself if I did the right thing. You know, I was the biggest critical of myself in the whole world. And I still am. 
And that's why I like it. And that's why I do it because I think I need to help everybody out there with all the experiences, the knowledge and uh, the possibilities that I have. And I only do this to help to be better coaches, to make our goalkeepers better. That's the only reason that I have nothing else. Well, 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 I mean, honestly, we just, just appreciate your time. Um, if people want to reach out to you, I mean, one of the things about you and I, and I, I you know, I, I speak about this all the time with everybody in, in the goalkeeping union, how everyone is so willing to give, but the fact that you've worked with such high level people and that you give back at the grassroots level is, is really, is really remarkable. So um, what, what's the best social media for people to reach out to you? Well, first of all, what I want to say is they have to be a little bit patient till the book comes out. Okay. Why? Because what I feel is if you give out some things, it go and, and, and reaches their own life. That's one. And I want the book to be ready. And after that, there will be many options to, uh, well, to get used to that way of thinking, which is not strange. It's, it's game-like thinking. So nobody can be against it, only it's maybe a little bit different than how people think now. So that has to be a switch. After that, there will be many, many options, uh, you know, to learn more about it, uh, to be in this kind of settings and, and stuff like that. So it's only a matter of, you know, being patient. And after that, there will be a big platform in which, you know, we are trying to help from different angles, everybody that is out there from coaches to goalkeeping coaches, goalkeepers and stuff like that. Cool. Awesome. Uh, anything anybody else wants to, wants to add before we, uh, before we hop out here? It, nothing. It's amazing. It's amazing to see you. I do want to see that tape from when I was 16. <laughs> Wait, can we break that down on the, on the show? Can we break down that tape? If he from finds it, yeah. When I was 16? Well, in the home? I, I want to finish there actually. First of all, Omar, um, I apologize that I put you a little bit on the spot there. No, it's fine. I don't mind it. But, but I know that, you know, it can only help us. And I've been in that position a lot of times. That's one. So thank you. Thank you for hosting this. And yeah, what I want to say about Saskia is Saskia came and I, I you know, she was 15, 14, 15, I think, Saskia. Eh? Mm-hmm. She came to Holland, all from the US, and she was there in, you know, a goalkeeper uh, a stage, a goalkeeper camp for like five, six days. Um, and she was one of the three girls. And I think there were like that week, like one of the 30 people. We couldn't have more than 130. We had like four to six weeks. So you, she was one of the three, three girls there. And wherever you are and wherever you want to reach something, what you need is a, a certain amount of talent. You need that, you know, to be able to do stuff. Then you need a drive. You need to be ambitious. And the drive that Saskia had was incredible. You know, the the willingness she had to be better, to become better, uh, to win the games, you know, when we played at night, all those goalkeeping games. Uh, But, you know, the the energy, the power, the drive, unbelievable. If you have that, then you already are like a a, a big way on uh, on the right road. Then, of course, it's about discipline on and off the pitch. And you have to be coachable. You know, you have to be willing to improve. It doesn't mean you always, um, you always agree with your, your coach. But it, it, it's not about that. But it's about openness to learn. Okay? And I see that still now with Saskia because, you know, she will not sleep about the setting thing. 
which is good because we as coaches and especially goalkeeper coaches, we are almost perfectionists. You know, we want to be a perfectionist because we know one small thing can make a big difference in making the save or not making the save or whatever it is. So I think that Saskia has been an incredible, beautiful example from, you know, she came from far, but you know, that drive, that ambition, that willingness to do everything, that, that's what you saw in her eyes then, which was rare and you could not only see in, in other ones' eyes there. So that's something you Americans in general have and, and the better ones, they, they keep it for a long time. So I want to I wanna finish with that actually. Oh, oh wow. Dan, I, I don't, I, I don't know, I don't know where to, I don't know where to go, go, go from I, there. <laughs> I'm honored to have you say those things. I, I don't even know what to say right now. Reality. Thank you, thank you. Well, uh, well, guys, Omar, anything you want to final, final words? Uh, no, I think uh, I learned a lot, but I also have a film review that I did yesterday, and I would love to have you on, Franz. That'd be sick to have you to come on. I did. I, I we broke down a full game yesterday with Chris Sharp from the Rapids and my buddy, and. I'm actually thinking about bringing you on to watch the Man U Real Madrid 2003 Champions League game. So if you would be interested, let me know. It's always a matter of time, Omar. You know how it goes with that. For because sure, I yeah. Well, so many times in so many games. But there will be options, Omar, in the future for sure. And that, um, um, uh, because I, wanna, I want the world to know this way of thinking. And whatever you do with it, that's up to you. You know, but... Uh, of course, I'm convinced that this is the way to go at this moment with the knowledge that we have, because I've seen in different, you know, in different cultures, in different <laughs> countries, but the game is the same in the whole world. And I've seen what progression it's possible to make in a very short time. So I want to spread that out and I want to share that with the rest of the world. And whatever they do, it's up to them. Awesome, okay. man. Well, well, Franz, thanks again for, for taking all the time. Remember, guys, contact at awesome. inside the 18. That's the number 18 media.com if you have a guest suggestion or because a topic suggestion. <laughs> at Pro GK Academy underscore for Omar at Saskia underscore Weber. Uh, shout out to Saskia Weber uh, on a fantastic, um, uh, I, I want to say performance, but discussion. Uh, actually, a very important discussion. And maybe, maybe we'll. We'll talk a little bit more about it next week uh, in regards to the appearance on, on Julie Foudy's uh, podcast um, uh, a, a couple days ago. Um, that's all the time on Insight. Well, I think we've gone almost two hours. So, wow. That's, uh, hey, every second's been worth it. Absolutely. Been, absolutely it's totally been worth getting up. Um, I got to go work on my new setting. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, you guys. All right. Thank that's all guys. the time hey, on that you do this. Good luck, and eh? Take oh, care. Thank you so much. That's bye -bye. all the time on Inside the 18, and we are out later. Yeah.